Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I have a dude on coming to us from just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, Mr. John Rankin. Be right back. Here we are. Let me bring John on the show. John, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I'm doing wonderful, man. It's great to have you here. I wanted to play a little clip real quick. This is so important. Here, watch this. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Has no nothing to do with this show, but I just love that clip. <laughs> it's a great clip. It's coming soon. <laughs> coming soon. That's right. So, so John, I started this show about almost. Gosh, it's going two and a half, almost three years ago, and um, you know, it was to help people have a breakthrough to get unstuck in life. And um, I hear that you have some experience with that. So. <laughs> Yeah, I've had a few a few yeah. experiences that led me to get stuck on occasion. Yeah. So so why don't we start with telling everybody where you were born and raised? By the way, if you have your phone handy, you could share this out if you want um, to your Facebook page. But um, just go to my go to my Facebook page. You can share it out. And anybody watching, if you share it out, there's extra points for you somewhere. I don't know where, but somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so I was uh, born in Peoria, Illinois, uh, 1972. As a matter of fact, on December 31st. So I'm a I'm a Christmas baby. Oh um, wow! Yeah, and was pretty much born and raised in Illinois until I think sixth grade is when I moved to Texas. Wow! Yeah, December 31st. Yep. Wow, your parents really wanted a write off that year. That's exactly right. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's amazing, man. So, so you, um, you were born in, um, Illinois and you moved to Texas. How old were you when you moved to Texas? I was in uh, sixth grade. So my dad was a factory worker. And during that time, Caterpillar, which is a big company went through their, you know, whatever their layoffs back in the eighties. And so we moved to Texas for three or four years where he got a job as another factory worker and then moved back to Illinois before I graduated high school and joined the army. Wow. So you graduated high school down in, or in Illinois, back in Illinois. Back in wow. Illinois. And, and you joined the army. That would have been, let's see, 1988, 89. I, so I graduated high school in 91 oh. into the army in 93. Oh, I got you. I was well, maybe close. that old man. I was close. Hey man, I was, I, my math was off a couple of years. Yeah. So, so, and, and I, I know like you were on Ray Higdon's um, reality show recently, right? 
Yep. Um, and we'll talk about that. But um, I know we have some network marketers watching. Larry Schneider, how you doing, bro? Good to see you. Um, and some other people. So that's interesting that you were on his show. I love Ray and Jess. They're amazing. Um, so, so you joined the army in 93. Yep. Okay. Right in between, um, the initial Gulf war and, um, and basically Somalia when Somalia happened, the black, black Hawk down series. Yeah. Hey, Glenn was in black Hawk down. My buddy, Glenn Morshower. He oh, was that's the, funny. He, he was. was in the movie, Black Hawk well, Down. Yeah. He was uh, General McChrystal, right? <laughs> I have no idea what his role was. He would hate me for that. He's probably watching and he's going to he's gonna shun me now. But um, I don't know what his role was. I forget. Uh, I I'm not good at that. Um, really? I'm not mistaken. I, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but I, yeah. I do remember. And, I, and he was, I believe he was... Then, you know, McChrystal wasn't a general then, but, you know. Got it. Yeah. So, so you, um, you, you were, how, and how long were you in the army? I was in the army from 93 to 96. Uh, I was an infantryman here at Fort Campbell, did airborne school, ranger school. Wow. All those, um, all those high speed schools. Wow. Airborne rangers. Yep. Wow. And so hold it, 93 to 90, so three years? Three years, 93 to 96, and then got out and went to college. Gotcha. Okay. And and, and what did you study in college? This is going to flip you out, but uh, I got my degree in Bible and theology. Really? Yep. Wow. Yes. Yep. And, and Mark Gassert, thank you. I agree. Thank you for your service. I, I, I appreciate that, man. So you got your degree in Bible and theology. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So you're a preacher. Yeah. So uh, I pastored from 97 until 2014, basically. Wow. Okay. So, so what made you decide to do that? You like, well, I, you go I from really my airborne, <laughs> airborne rangers to yeah okay yeah so um i wasn't a christian when i joined the military okay. um, my squad leader actually led me to the lord and then i just felt the the call is what we call it or the, the desire to pursue ministry so i got out went to bible college um and then pastored for many years wow um, and so you don't do that anymore? No, nah, in 2014, I went through a pretty hostile divorce. And so, um, well, it actually, yeah, it started in 2013. So I saw it coming and I resigned, merged the two churches together um, with another church and, and basically stepped out of the spotlight to go through that. Wow. Um and that was 2014, you said? Yeah. So uh, I assume you were paid to be a minister of a church? Never. Did you have a job? Yeah. So uh, I was a hand-to-hand combat instructor for special forces for the last 20 years. And a minister. And a minister. <laughs> you can get laying on of hands. <laughs> Okay, so you're like, um, 
teaching people how to meet Jesus, literally. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally what I did. Wow, dude. I did not. Okay, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You're yeah. the guy that nobody should pick a fight with, is what you're saying. Yeah. I'm a little older now, so you might get away with some more. <laughs> wow, dude. So... Do you know how diametrically opposite those two things are? Like, I teach hand-to-hand combat, and I'm a minister. Yeah, so it was so diametrically opposed that uh, <laughs> they featured me on Fox and Friends and did a documentary and put me on the front page of the New York Times over it. What? You could believe that you could be a, a preacher and a fighter, because I had 70 pro fights, too, in, like, the UFC style of fighting. Really? Yep. So you're a cage fighter too? Yeah, I was a cage fighter until 2008 is when I retired. Dude. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I'm leading you to Jesus one way or the other, bro. (laughs) No. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. It's up to you. You choose. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, that's crazy, man. So, so, uh, what are some of the like uh, I, along the journey? Um, besides the divorce, divorces are always a blast. Yeah. Um, yeah. The I mean, what are some of the the things that you? Um, Sandy says makes sense to me. Bible carrying warrior. Yes. So, so what, what are, Hey, you know what, with the way things are going right now, we need some warriors, quite frankly. Um, but what are some of the challenges along the way? Like when you were in the army, did you, did you face any chance? You know, I, I was not in the, in the service. My brother was in the Navy and I remember going up to um, visit him at Great Lakes Academy oh. in, in, in up north on, during his graduation. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, dude, you wouldn't believe the way they talk about mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? He goes, they, man, they get in your face. They test you. They, he goes, I'm telling you. And he's big. He's six foot five. And he's, he was always a fighter as a kid. Right. And these guys are getting into these drill instructors are like getting in his face. And, and, and so, um, what was that like for you going through all of that in, in the military? Yeah. So I actually found boot camp to be pretty easy. Um, (laughs) because I was already in great shape. I was already fighting. I was uh, let me see. In '93, I was ranked third in the nation in Olympic uh, Taekwondo, um, and so for me, I was already in good shape going into the military. And um, I wasn't really an, an outspoken guy at that time in my life. I was I was more of a, hey, just don't mess with me, and I'll do my thing, and you do your thing, right? Right. Um, and then I made it almost all the way through boot camp with nobody knowing my name. So, like, you know, and then, and then uh, wow. it was probably about week nine. So we had switched over to AIT for infantry and um, the drill sergeant walked up to me and uh, basically said, why are you picking your nose in my formation? And, I, you know, I didn't move because I didn't think he was talking to me. And, uh, and then he got in my face and he's like, I'm talking to you. And he's cussing and screaming. And I was like, 
I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't picking my nose. And he goes, are you calling me a liar with a bunch of cuss words? And I was like, and I just knew at that point, I was like, well, I have a choice. I can either take the hit and, you know, compromise my own integrity or I could, you know, call him out. So I said, yeah, you're right. I am calling you a liar. Oh, and, uh, from that point on, everybody knew my name. And they smoked <laughs> the absolute dog crap out of me for the next um, oh my five six weeks. So, wow, wow, <laughs> you know, man. You know, so I, I just at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take the bullet for you. You're making this up, um, wow. and you know, and it made me a better person. I think, I, you know. Um, they wanted me to quit and I, I just, I'm a hard headed, stubborn guy. And I was like, yeah, you can smoke me until I freaking die. It's not going to matter to you, me. You, you don't look like a hand to hand combat instructor. I mean, you look like a friendly chap. Good. <laughs> I've managed to change my image a little. <laughs> That's awesome. So, 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 so you went through all this, and did you did you go in there? You were it was in the middle of of no action really going on. Yeah. So by this point, we had already closed down the the first Gulf War, and we were more on a you know kind of like a security role with that. Yeah. Did um, you go overseas at all? I never deployed. I missed wow. I missed the Gulf War. Wow. Uh, now I've been to Afghanistan twice as a civilian um, over there doing some contract work, um, but as as a soldier I didn't deploy. Wow. So, um, do do you think that we have the most powerful military in the world? No, uh, absolutely. Like um, that was a rhetorical. China, China has quite a large military. And I believe that if politicians took the gloves off, there's not there's not a military that could that could really stand. I mean, we have we have weapon systems that can, you know, fly missiles through windows from halfway across the world. So, I I have a, a nephew that flew F-16s, and my niece's husband flew drones from a little tiny. He flew drones from a trailer in Arizona. <laughs> Yeah. on the other side of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no question to me, you know, so having worked with the most elite guys for the last 20 years, which is a very small population and then seeing the technological stuff that we're able to do, there's no question. Yeah. 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 We're pretty advanced. I, I, and I mean, it's a rhetorical question. So, um, but like, you know, when it, when it comes to, um, I mean, what are some of the, so what are some of the other challenges you've faced along the way? You get out of the military. You know, one of the things I've heard that's common is, you know, people get out of the military and then they have a really difficult time. Um, <laughs> Joe Ingram says, I flew Southwest Airlines once. Um, so, so, but I hear, you know, people, my brother had this issue, you know, reintegrating back into civilian life yeah. is challenging sometimes. Yeah, I think that it's more challenging now than when I was in, but I had my challenges as well. And a funny story, um, when I got out, you know, uh, I was going to college, so I still had to get a job and I put together my resume 
And while I was doing my resume, everybody in the army told me how easy it would be to get a job uh, because of everything that I had done while I was in the military. And I quickly found out that that was all nonsense because I put on my resume that I had done airborne school and ranger school and was basically a ranger. And when I got to my first job interview, the guy was looking through my resume and he asked me what forest I worked in. And I was like, forest. He goes, yeah, it says here that you're a ranger. And I was like, Are you a moron? I was like, uh, no, that's a, you know, and it just, it, it really went to show me that the civilian world really has no clue what we do. And, and it was difficult to, to mesh the experiences of the military with a civilian job. Um, and the people that have gone to war, uh, the veterans that have served over the last 20 years have a much harder time, I think, integrating now than what I did in the 90s. So, yeah. Uh, much respect to you guys, brothers. So, wow. So, um, so you get out, you, you go into the ministry, which mm -hmm. is what every army ranger should do. <laughs> right. Um, air, airborne, airborne ranger, I guess. Um, were you, what, what airborne was it in there? Uh, 101st and 101st. Mm -hmm. were you 101st? 101st. Okay. And then there's the 82nd, right? 82nd. And then you actually, so just for the viewers, mm -hmm. um, we actually have what is called ranger regiment and there's three battalions of that. I was not a ranger. I was ranger qualified. So, gotcha. um, anybody who's got some military service, well, we'll get that distinction. There, there's quite a bit of distinction. So, what about David Goggins? Could you take him? Uh, <laughs> well, David is a absolute beast. Um, and he hey, is much more escape than I am now. So, dude, I mean, he could he could be most most people with his will, just yeah. his will. That's it. Like his will is ridiculous, man. Yeah, he's. It, He's something else. You know, I was just um, I was just out in Death Valley in August, and yeah. he run he ran that marathon through that. Yeah, 123 degrees when I was there. Yeah, and it's a is it a hundred mile? It's a hundred miles, right? It's a it's a hundred mile marathon. Um, I don't I don't remember what the distance was. It, if if it's more than 25, it's just even more impressive. It's yeah, he he's on a different level. So. Yeah. What are so what are so you teach you do you still teach hand to hand combat? No, um, so due to COVID, that position went away this year. So, oh wow, yep. What do you do now? Um, so right now, it's crazy. Um, I am helping a company open speech therapy clinics, uh, for military dependents with special needs. Oh wow. Yep. All, all over the U.S. or all just over the U.S. Yep. Wow. And what do you do? How, how's that? So because I spent so long in the military, I made so many connections across the country through teaching and running seminars for them. Um, I've developed a network that allows me to pretty much go to any military base and have a place to stay, have you know friends to hang out with and business contacts. And so we're using that that network to basically open up these clinics across the country uh, because our veterans, our military personnel 
oftentimes that system is backlogged or they don't have enough therapists to really see the kids and get the kids to where they need to be. Wow. Ernest Odell, oh, I'd love it was difficult translating and transferring military skills to civilian life. How do we tell civilians that we killed bad guys and apply that to corporate America? Yeah, right. I know, man. Yeah. So, so what do you? What are some of the the things that that you see um, people, you know? doing that are that are holding them back in life i mean you seem like a guy that just like nothing can stop me i'm just going to keep pushing yeah so i i think the biggest thing that stops people is their own mindset um their inability to have confidence in themselves um maybe because they're stuck uh, maybe because they just haven't really thought through what they want out of their life i've just heard so many people that um, are at a position in their life where they're doing it because they have to, not because they want to. Um, and I've always just found it strange that as kids, when we're growing up, we try to tell our kids, you can do anything you want to do in the world. You can accomplish anything that you want to accomplish. And we, we instill that kind of faith in them that they can actually live the life that they want to live. And then somewhere around 15 or 16, we tell them to stop dreaming, grow up, get a job and suck it up and just get things accomplished. And um, I, I think that that's kind of permeated our culture. Um, there's just so many people that aren't happy with where they're at and what they're doing. That right. it's really a mindset. It's a mind right. issue to me. So you and, and uh, along this journey, I mean, you, you were in the ministry from 90, what, 96 to 2014, right? Yep. Um, and all the while you're, and you're the minister of the church, like, right. The head yep. minister of a church. Yep. And, um, but your day job is teaching people how to kill people. Yeah, basically. <laughs> was it a self-defense class? Was it a, was it a, no, eliminate the target fight. class. <laughs> nope. We tried to teach them how to fight. Um, and, you know, we ran classes every single day, five hours a day. And we did everything from punching, kicking, wrestling, jujitsu, knife fighting, stick fighting, gun fighting. I mean, wow. it was pretty comprehensive. Um, and, you know, MacArthur says, I, I would rather their mothers be crying than our mothers crying. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, Oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, for me, there was no, there was no dichotomy. You know, uh, I've been a fighter my whole life. Um, it was something I, I dreamed of being as a little boy. Really? I, I lived my dream. And, um, you know, I know to a lot of people, it might, it might seem a little bit out there, but, you know, I, I don't believe there's anything wrong with serving in the military or teaching the military or teaching law enforcement or or professional athletics of any sort, whether that be professional fighting via boxing or MMA or football yeah. or hockey. Yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> I, I could open up Pandora's box probably <laughs> by asking you what um, what what do you think of everything going on right now in in America? Um. So <laughs> I I definitely am very skeptical of the results. Um, 
I, I, I just don't see there's any way that Biden outscored Obama in votes. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't even know how that's possible. Um, you know, uh, I can say that my grandfather has passed and he didn't vote for him. So uh, I don't know what the rest of the dead people were thinking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Some uh, crazy, crazy stuff happening. Yeah. Crazy stuff. So you went down to, um, I, and was it, I don't, was this season two that you were season on two. with? So you were on Ray and Jessica Higdon's show. Um, and that had to have been a, tr so, you know, Hank, you met Hank Norman. I met him for the first Steve. time. Yeah. I'm friends with Hank and Steve. They're good guys. Yeah. Um, so, so, Tell me about that experience. First off, why? What that and when was that? So um, it was we filmed in February of this year, so right before coronavirus hit. Oh, wow! Um, and then why was uh, last year my buddy was on it, um, and so I saw him on it, and I was like, I'm going to do that show. And uh, I didn't really know Ray. Uh, I wasn't in Rank Makers. Um, and I just was like, I'm going to do that show. And, uh, so I, I ended up joining rank makers in December of last year, which is Ray's organization. It's a great organization. If you want to learn how to sell, um, and team build and a bunch of different stuff. Um, but so I joined in December, a week later, I got the email that they are now taking applications for play to win season two. So I sent in an interview. Uh, they asked us to record it on our phone. I said, hey, look, my name's John Rinkin. You've never had anybody on your show like me. You never will. So you should put me on your show. <laughs> that, that had to intrigue the heck out of Ray, I'm sure. Well, so well, I didn't know this until after the show, but Ray and Jess didn't see any of the candidate interviews. Only Hank. Oh, oh really? Yep. That's awesome. I should, I sent Ray a text telling him I was, I should, I should text Hank. Um, so, so, um, so you went down to, um, where is that Naples area? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You went down no, there. Fort Lauderdale. Uh, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you went down there and, um, how far did you make it? I made it to the finale. Did uh, you really? Yeah. So, wow. um, lost by a hundred bucks or so. So was it a sell, a sales competition fundraising for March of dimes? Um, so the last competition was, uh, basically doing a campaign for nonprofit yeah. uh, where we had to run the entire operation. So, wow. So you came in second place. No, I lost. What's that mean? I don't do second place. But it was it second place or not? Yeah, I know you lost. I lost. I get that. Now we're talking semantics. But technically, technically you came in second place. Upper, I took second. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you said no. I lost. I get that, dude. I totally. I love that. I love that attitude. That's awesome. So, so what's um. So you, you, I mean, that's, that's pretty intense. Cause there were how many contestants, like 15, there were 28 contestants or 27. I think there was 27 because one guy didn't show up. What's hey? what's your shirt? My shirt says I fight bullies. 
I can't see the, I can see I fight. Oh, bullies. Love that. Fight Voodoo, yeah. thanks for the shirt. Huh? Uh, fight Voodoo is the company. Thanks for the shirt. That's awesome, man. So, um, and I, it, 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 fighting bullies is a good thing. Bullies don't like to fight. They, they're, they're typically. Yep. Um, <laughs> Joe, Joe said you were the first loser. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's messed up, man. So, so what, I mean, what, so now you're, you're doing this thing where you're, you're helping, helping. Uh, what it, say it again it's i know it's so it's a uh, occupational and speech therapy for special needs kids that are the dependents of militaries it's a big mouthful okay yes so um and and is that so is that that's a big thing yeah so here at fort campbell we have about 4000 kids that uh that that are being helped um wow. obviously it depends on the population of the military base that we're at. Um, some bases are obviously a lot smaller. So, so are you, are, do you have any intentions of getting back into the hand to hand combat training stuff at all? Or no, I, I, you know, at this point in my life, you know, I'm 40, about to be 48 years old. Um, you know, waking up every morning fighting 20 year olds is really rough. So, yeah. um, you know, and I've had some significant injuries from just the years of abuse that you go through to do that. Yeah. Um, I've tore both my biceps. Uh, you know, I've got two herniated discs and, you know, so I've got some uh, lumps and bumps and wow, uh, ready for a, an easier lifestyle. Ray, Ray just responded to my text message. He said, challenge him to a fight. <laughs> <laughs> No, no thanks. I'll leave that to Ray. He can challenge you, man. Ray said he would do it if we if we raised money for a worthwhile nonprofit. So yeah, you could set that up. That would be awesome. <laughs> set it up. Set it up for you and Ray. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't, Ray's a Ray's not not a not a sissy. So. No. I, I was watching him work out with his tie instructor. So yeah, he's uh, he's he's got some game, but yeah. but so so um, that's funny. I I'm not challenging you to a fight. No way, dude. No, I'm no old now, so yeah. So I'm older. I'm older. So yeah, I'm 52. We'll, we'll but, Ray. Yeah, yeah. So so what uh, like. You know, a lot of people will see this this interview. A lot of people will hear this interview. Um, so far, it sounds like um, just being real. It sounds like life's been pretty easy for you. Yeah, it is not. Um, I know. That's so the the because uh, I I'm I'm just confident, you know. So it kind of way. But am I? What, I'm what are some of the What are some of the 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 things that have happened to you in life? where you were like, I'm not getting through this. I, 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 there's no way. And then you did. Yeah. So there was a period of time where I had just gotten out of college, um, was pastoring, making no money. Um, the organization that was supposed to support me didn't support um, and was trying to get 
combatives up off the ground. I was working two or three jobs. Um, and I literally was using um, paying this month on this bill to get it to not go into collection, to pay this bill, and then not paying that bill for two or three months um, and was making no money. Yeah. Um, and then in 2003, uh, that all kind of turned around for me. Uh, I became the first civilian to actually be certified uh, to train the army officially. Um, wow. That, that was really rough. Um, I mean, there were, there were plenty of times that, you know, I really didn't even know if I was going to have enough money for groceries. Um, and then I think probably in 2009 was uh, the toughest time of my life. Uh, I had to start dealing with my sexual abuse as a kid, um, which I really buried my whole life and yeah. didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to address it, didn't want to deal with it. Um, and it's still pretty emotional for me. And really what happened was it was my, my daughter, I was holding my daughter and then taken, I, I never knew that sexual exploitation was real. Um, and it, and it just peeled open this big, uh, nasty issue in my life that, that I honestly, I'd never really addressed. Um, so I went through a lot with that. And then just a couple of years later, going through my divorce, which still to this day, I think has been the hardest thing I've had to do, which was fighting for custody of my kids. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. So that's some tough stuff. And, and, you know, there's, there's this, um, unfortunately I see too many, you know, just here recently in Ohio, I forget what it was. Yeah. They, they took down like 53 or something crazy, Yep. Some crazy number of all these these pedophiles. And then us in Georgia, twenty seven kids that were being trafficked. You know, so dude, it's crazy. I, I've got a I've got a guy that was on this sh this this show. Um, he's a friend of mine, Anthony. That um, he's actually a um, um, he's got an organization called Truckers Against predators mm. and and he has these these women all young women all over the u.s that sound like over the phone they sound like little girls and they set up these 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 pedophiles they set them up to meet they yep. these pedophiles think they're meeting a 12 year old or a 13 year old and they're meeting Anthony, who is a big, badass trucker. <laughs> I mean, he's a big dude. And and <laughs> you should, I don't know how he does. I have no, I, I've said this to him, dude. I have no idea how you don't grab some of these, yeah. these freaks and just rip their freaking throat out. Just like, but he doesn't. He's, he's, he gets the police involved and. There's been arrests. There's been, you know, all kinds of stuff. But it's a national organization where he does this, man. It's it's a it's amazing because there are a lot of twisted people in this world, man. There's yeah. a lot of twisted I, people. I don't remember it being that way when I was a kid. You know, neither do I. Um, I don't remember having to worry about my next door neighbor. I mean, I know that it happened. Yeah. But like you know, now I mean, I live in a really safe town. And I don't like, I'm always asking, Hey, where are you going? Who is this yeah. person? Who's their parents? Like, I want to yeah. meet them. I want to, I want to do the Smith test myself. Yep. Um, 
it's crazy to me the depravity that's that's overtaken this nation with something like that. Like kids are not to be messed with, not to be played with. No, no. I believe the Bible said Jesus said something about that. So, so, you know, I think, um, so you get out of the military, you, you, you decide, and you, you said you became a Christian while you were in the military. Mm -hmm. Wow. Why? What happened? Was there a, was there a situation or, um, I'm not sure you're ready for this. (laughs) I, I, dude, I've heard it all, man. Uh, So I was a Satanist, um, and I had been a Satanist for a number of years. A sa- yeah. hold on, a Satanist? Mm-hmm. Okay, I haven't heard it all. Now I have. <laughs> yeah. What? Um, I'd been a Satanist for roughly, I think at that point, six or seven years uh, with an organization called the Temple of Set. Um, yeah. It's okay. Well, we can't leave it at that. What? Uh, talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. There's two, there's two organizations. There's the Church of Satan and then the te- Temple of Set. And the main divider between those two organizations on is whether or not Satan is a real person. Uh, the Church of Satan believes that it's more of a, an ideology versus the Temple of Set that actually believes it was a real organization or a real, a, a real entity. Um, and so during my time in the beginning stages of my military uh, time, uh, I was a Satanist. I was, I was doing drugs, I was drinking, I was partying. Um, I was absolutely full of hate towards Christians. And my squad leader was uh, a man of faith. And uh, just over the course of the year that I worked with him, was just in a position where he was constantly uh, exposing me to the gospel um, talking to me about eternal life. And, you know, uh, I was getting ready to actually leave for ranger school and he came up and he just basically said, Hey, you know, you're going to die. <laughs> like, this is not a, this is not a game we all do. And, um, I was like, Hey man, you know, you keep that snake charming stuff to yourself. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't have time for it. And I went back up to my barracks room and was going back through my packing list to make sure I had everything. And man, I, I have no other way to explain it other than this. Sitting on my bed, going through my packing list, God became so real to me. It was like he was sitting there talking to me. What? Uh, yep. I walked downstairs and I said, hey, what do I have to do to become a Christian? He's like, hey, man, don't play games with me. You know, he thought I was <laughs> And, um, and so we prayed together and, um, I've been, I've been ever since then, uh, working for the kingdom. Wow, man. Yep. Well, I'll bet that pissed off the devil. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it did. You know, though, I got, I gotta, I gotta say this because I've, and you know, Robert said, uh, he's never heard that term. There's somebody that's a devout atheist, but atheists and Satanists are not the same. Mm. No. no. Uh, so, so I've always thought, mm. you know, somebody that is an, an atheist or a Satanist, I've always thought, you know, first off that's evil. Um, but, but second, it seems like the people that I've met, 
they may have been in that that place a chip on their shoulder or something that that from the past that kind of made them go good in this world is bs and i I, so i'm just going to go to the extreme opposite yeah yeah i think so for me it was power um the power to Mm -hmm. make a difference in my life the power to not live the life that i was living those were all the the lies that were being told and um I was a I was a spiritually kind of attuned person anyway, um, and that was the lure for me was the power to make a difference in my life. It's just a life that truly you don't want to live. Like I, yeah. I have people often that will ask me, "Do you ever want to go back?" And I'm like, "Hell no!" Like why would yeah. I? Like right. I mean, drugs, it's alcohol, it's you know no true relationships because the entire thing is built on depravity. Um, so, you know, it's never been an issue for me. Wow. So, okay. Well, that's a huge shift. I mean, that's a massive shift. Yeah. Um, congratulations. You're the first Satanist to ever be on my show. Former, <laughs> former, former. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Laura says, always makes me wonder when atheists say GD, especially because they don't believe. Right. So do they really? Yeah. <laughs> right. You're cussing out a non-existent God? Huh? I said you're cussing out a non-existent God? I know, right? No. So, so um, wow, man, that's, um, that's, that's huge. That's a big shift in life. That's yeah, a it was a very shift. big shift in my life. I mean, overnight, it wasn't overnight to everybody else or even me, but I literally became a Christian a day or two before I left for ranger school. So for three months, I was out in the woods, you know, starving, not getting any sleep, you know, completely isolated from the life that I had been living. No alcohol, no drugs, you know, none of that stuff. Um, And then I come back from that school after completing it, and all of a sudden, the guy who was the party animal in the barracks is going, no more. Wow. So that's 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 intense, dude. That's yeah. really, really intense. So <laughs> and so you're you're a you, you, you. And how when did you like what did was there a church like you went to the there yeah. was a. Uh, or a, 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 a structure, a Satanist yep. church? Yeah. Really? So, yeah. I mean, they don't have buildings, so to speak, but, uh, you know, you do rituals, you, you gather, um, you community, do community together. It's just the principles are completely polar opposite than what most people would expect. My gosh, man. Do they yeah. sit around and talk about how they can re? evil and havoc in the world? No, it wouldn't really, it wouldn't, the conversation really wouldn't play out that way. It's more, you know, Alistair Crowley said, do what thou will shall be the whole of the law as long as you don't harm anyone. So it's not like they're out plotting on how they can come on this show and kill you and me. Right. Right. Uh, right. It's more about them just living their life to their standard without any consideration to consequence eternally. Wow. So 
That's insane. And then you, so you were packing in your barracks to leave for ranger school yep. and, and like, were you standing up and, and all of a sudden you had the, uh, how, what was, I was, what was the moment? On my bed, uh, because in the old barracks, you didn't have chairs, you didn't have furniture. You had a bed, a wall locker. That's all we yeah. had. Yeah. Um, so I was sitting on my bed and I was just going through my backing list. Cause if you don't, take the right packing list it's automatic you get you get kicked out so like Sweet. i was double triple checking making sure i had everything and i was just sitting there and man i you know god just basically came over me and i just knew that he was real and i was wow. crying i'd never cried like I, I was like what in the world is going on why why am i <laughs> yeah. and i just out, never, out of the blue like like you're looking through your packing list and you're like socks, underwear, and boom. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I don't I wouldn't say it was out of the blue because I literally just had the conversation with my squad leader. Like that had just happened. I walked upstairs and the notion of death and what where are you going for eternity? For some reason that struck a chord in me on that particular day. And wow. and it just became so real to me that still 30 years, almost 30 years later, there's no question in my mind that God is real, that Jesus is real, and that my life is different because of him. Wow, dude. That's that's intense. So you went through ranger school. You stayed in the Army for how much longer after you went through ranger school? Another two years. Okay. Um, so you're in the Army. You're now a Christian. Um, in the army and, um, and you get out and, and that's when you decide I'm going into the ministry. Yeah. Uh, I simultaneously decided to start professionally fighting as well. So, like, uh, yeah. So oh my gosh. Uh, cage fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Cage fighting. Uh, <laughs> my first wow. fight was in an abandoned house in uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, uh, in negative 20 degree weather. Uh, and you can actually still find it on the internet. It's called the cold house fights um, because we were all freezing. Um, and there was just something about fighting. And it was funny because, you know, talk about struggle all the way, probably through my first two or three years of Bible college, everybody thought I was like a plant. I was the antichrist or something. Cause you know, yeah. I had earrings, nose ring. I was a professional fighter. Uh, I was a beer drinker. I liked beer. Um, you know, oh my gosh! Are real? <laughs> you know, so, wow. Uh, yeah, but you graduated with a degree in theology. Yeah, graduated with a degree in theology and a minor in Bible, and uh, wow. you know, so <laughs> and then wow. I, right back here to Fort Campbell to start a church. And you just started a church from just you and yep, whoever else. Yep. Just started wow. uh, in my house, started doing a Bible study that led to a church that led to um, what they called fight church, which was my church and my fight gym were in the same building uh, where I was training people at night and uh, which is what the documentary was called, Fight Church, where they they followed me around and talk about Jesus and fighting. And, and this shoot. was on what? What was the documentary on? Um, 
Well, it was the number one download on Amazon, or not Amazon, sorry, iTunes for a while. Uh, It's on Netflix now, uh, Fight Church, and it was an independent documentary. Uh, Daniel Youngie. Okay. I'm going to write that down, Fight Church. So, um, and then you said you were on the front page of... Yeah, the New York Times. The New York about this about fight well, church. Yeah, I got called a, a Christian jihadist that I'm worse than Al Qaeda. It was it was great. What? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know. Dude, really? Yeah, a uh, Christian jihadist. Out. Why? Uh, because I was teaching the military how to fight, so apparently I became an extremist. Now, so, do you do you have you taught law enforcement as well? Yeah, mm-hmm. I taught. I'm a, I'm taser certified, pepper spray certified, you know, um, um, a mock certified, which is a, a system that they use for non-compliance. And, you know, so I've done all that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that pepper spray certification is, is probably, I have a, a Kubaton and it's a, mm-hmm. it's, it's a police grade Kubaton that holds pepper spray and, and it's pretty cool. And, yeah. and so I decided to test it one day and I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to spray this downwind. I'm just going to do a little, tsh. and, and so I, I did a little, tsh, and it was going downwind and somehow it's still, and it was downwind dude. And it still somehow ended up not, not like a direct hit. No way. But it, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't see. It was like, it was terrible, man. Pepper spray is pretty foul, man. It uh, is really foul. I'll take the taser every day of the week over pepper spray. <laughs> you know? Well, I've, I've not been tased, thank God. Knock on uh, Taser's just five seconds. It's not really that bad. Oh. Anyway, yeah, I'll take your word on that. I never want to experience that. So, so what, what, um, you know, I have been, um, and I talk about this a lot, you know, what do you think the number one thing is that um, holds people back from experiencing success and, and real joy in life? Well, I I think real joy comes from identity, knowing who you really are. Um, You know, you could be going through some of the most crazy things in your life but if you are securing your identity as who you are as a person, um, I believe that that gives you the confidence and the joy to really accomplish everything else. And I, and I really think that everything starts with identity. And for me, as a Christian, that's my identity of who I am in my relationship with God. If that thing is straight, then nothing else really matters. Um, and I think that out of that flows the ability to have vision for your life and a mindset to where you can be successful. Um, and, I, you know, life is life is a journey. And if without a roadmap, without an identity, it's going to be complex and it's going to be hard. And you have to have a destination. I think many people in America don't have a destination. And I, I guess I would, I would tell people that going to work because you have to and sucking it up is not a destination. Right. It's a punishment. Um, so now I'm not telling you to quit your job tomorrow, but you should open your eyes to opportunities 
of things that are you're passionate about, that you enjoy, that you could actually do and you would feel that you're adding value to, right? Yeah. Um, and man, I mean, I have had a great life, but I've had some really shitty parts too. But I think that the identity in God mixed with a vision of where I'm going in my life is really what is had caused me to have the attitude that I've had so that I can be happy. Right. And yeah, just kind of grinding it out and sucking it up because this is what you're supposed to do or what you feel like you have to do. Um, man, that's just not a way to live. No, no, I agree with you, man. And you said shitty, a preacher that cusses, <laughs> you know, <laughs> If you got a problem with it, whoever's watching, you can forgive me. Uh, <laughs> for all all of sin and fallen short of the glory. Yeah, right. um, yeah. You know, I think that, um, you know, there was a time back when my wife and I, it was right after we met, and I've told this story multiple times, but, um, you know, I, I had a uh, this dude that worked for me, and, and we had just opened our first office, and months later everybody's getting paid except for me. And this dude walks in, he goes, uh, Hey, Hey boss. Um, there's, there's a, there's a guy looking in the windows of your SUV out in the parking lot. And I'm like, well, why are you telling me, dude, tell him, get the hell out of here. You're bigger than I am. And he's like, he's like, well, I would, except for he's got it blocked with his tow truck. And I was like, Oh God. They, they were there to repo my vehicle. And there's nothing more humiliating than being the boss and, and having to ask an employee to give you a ride to the, the, the place to, to, you know, get your, your car out of repossession. And, um, and it was, I remember it was a really, really, really bad day. And, and, you know, John, with, with everything going on in this crazy ass year, yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there are a lot of people, I mean, you know, we talk about the 22 military veterans that commit suicide on, on average every day. Um, it's more than that. It's way more than that. I guarantee it because they don't talk about the alcohol related accidents and drug and everything else. So, um, and, and, and there's a lot of just regular people that just can't take it anymore and they're 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 ending it yeah for those people that are at the end of their rope that are you know and i remember that feeling man i've i've, I've had it many times in life where it's like oh my god i can't i can't go on like i'm never making it through this yeah what do you say to those people if they if somebody called you right now and said i dude my car was repoed. My electric's being shut off. I'm I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what to do. I, I just don't feel like it's worth going on. What What do you say to them to help them get through this moment? So I was starving, sleep deprived on a mountain, and I wanted to quit ranger school. And I, I basically said, I'll quit when I get to the mountain. Um, to the top of the mountain. When I got to the top of the mountain, who quits on top of the mountain? Just walk down. Uh, and when I got to the bottom of the next one and we started the next one up, I, it was horrible. And I was like, I'll quit when I get to the top. And my advice to anybody in a situation is uh, where they're feeling like they're going to take their life is 
quit when you get to the top of the mountain. Call it quits then. Mm. Um, don't don't stop now. Wait till you get to the top, because the perspective we have from the top of the mountain is always better than the bottom, and you'll never quit then. Um, and you know I've been through some really crazy and traumatic stuff, and uh, I always look back to that lesson, and I keep going to the next mountaintop. And there's more out there, and there's more meant for your life than what you're seeing right now. And if you end it, your children will never see it. Your spouse will never see it. You'll never see it. Wait till you get to the next mountain. Amen, dude. Amen. I love that answer, man. I love that. It Sometimes it is. It's just taking the next step. Yep. Just the next step. And, and, and getting getting in touch with people like you or me and, and, and getting some motivation and, 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 you know, some hope. All my veteran brothers and sisters, if you happen to catch this and you're in that position, you know, make sure you reach out to me. We don't need any more. No, we don't, man. We sure don't. I, I agree with you, John, where can everybody follow you? What's the best place? Um, on Facebook, we should be connected, or you can just go to johnrankin.com uh, and then just hit me up from there. All my social media channels are on there. Everything's on there. johnrankin.com. Let me put that up. I should have asked you that up front. My bad. johnrankin.com. Yep. And there it is, scrolling across the bottom. Did I get it right? Yeah, I think yeah, so. I did. I love stream. Yeah. So um, everybody go over to johnrankin.com, click on his social media, follow him on Facebook. On Are you on Instagram as well? On Instagram. Yeah. yeah. On all of them. Parlor. You on Parlor? On Parlor too. Yeah. Most yeah. of conspiracy theories every day. Yeah. Or the truth. Or the truth. <laughs> yeah. uh, Parlor has been pretty interesting to me. Uh, huh? Parlor's been pretty interesting to me. I, I like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't care where you're at. Uh, nobody should be censoring us. Um, so uh, totally I love Parlor because I've even been seeing some people that are a little more liberal leaning posting information on there and they're not censoring it. So, yeah. Yeah. John, thank you for coming on today. I thank appreciate you, you coming on, sharing your story, your experience, strength and hope and, and, um, Hey, there's look, a, a, a Satanist, former, former, former <laughs> Satanist that, that, that turned his life over to, to Christ and, 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 and you've changed everything, man. So congratulations on your success. Congrats on doing so well with Ray and Jess. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and the, the two market media team. And, and that's, that's amazing, dude. I appreciate so, it. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming on. And Edna just typed in your, I love that quit at the top of the mountain. Yep. Yeah. So everybody go follow John, John, thank you. Stay with me. I'm going to end the live stream. Thank you to everybody that's been on here and we will see you all later. John, thanks so much. Thanks. We'll see All you right. again. All right.